Welcome to The Criminal Tax Files. I'm your host, Robert Nordlander, and today I'm going to discuss the Special Agents Report. It's also known as a SAR, S-A-R. In the IRS lexicon, SARs have a dual meaning. One is Special Agents Report. The other one is Suspicious Activity Report, which is a product of FinCEN. So when you talk to a special agent or to the prosecutor regarding a SAR, you may get confused looks because it depends on the context. If you talk to a special agent, for the most part, they understand a SAR. But if you use the word prosecution report or pros report, then they'll understand exactly what you're talking about. The prosecution report is created by the case agent and is required for all criminal tax investigations. It embodies all the pertinent information that IRSCI, its legal counsel, and DOJ tax division require to prove the recommended tax crimes that should be prosecuted. In essence, it has multiple sections that help the reader understand the facts of the case and the recommendations based upon those facts. The report is created by the case agent, of course, and reviewed by many others. It's reviewed by the immediate supervisor, a centralized case reviewer, IRS criminal tax counsel, IRSCI's upper management, DOJ tax division, and the U.S. Attorney's Office. Many times it is also used by the probation office to summarize the case and hopefully help them prepare a pre-sentence report. It has various sections in it, and we'll go over that one second. It's a PDF file that is linked to all the evidence to support a prosecution recommendation. For every allegation or fact, the report will have a link that will take the user to the evidence that is embodied further down in the report. For example, if you're on page 10 of the report and it mentions a tax return that the CPA had in their file, you click on that link, it may take you down to page 967, which is actually a copy of the return in the CPA's file. That's how it works. The report is a narrative. It's about maybe 30, 40, 50 pages long. And then after that is all the evidence behind it. It would also have hundreds, if not thousands of pages long. And as a hint, the report is very easy to use, but the instructions are at the end of the PDF file. So if you're printing the instructions, the short key, shortcut keys are at the very bottom of it. So if you ever have a question about how to navigate this report, don't just look at, oh my goodness, it's a thousand pages long. If you go to the very bottom of the PDF file, the last couple pages, there is a shortcut key or a user manual. It's a couple pages long. You can print it. Then you'll know exactly how to navigate. I think alt left arrow helps things go back and that type of thing. So it'll help out quite a bit navigate the PDF file. The SAR is a narrative of the prosecution recommendation, which will include recommended charges. So what charges are recommended and tax years involved. The venue, which is where the charges should be brought. Statute of limitations. And for each charge, the statute of limitations is reported so that no violation is outside the statute of limitations. For most Title 26 investigations, the statute of limitations is six years. From employment tax investigations, there are peculiar rules if the form is filed or not filed. Uh, and I do believe there are a couple districts, I believe in Massachusetts and northern Georgia, which have concluded that the statute of limitations for employment tax violations is three years, not six. The tax returns being investigated, investigated are also in there. The tax returns really are the center of the investigation. Or sometimes there's no tax returns, which means proof that the IRS has not had the tax returns in their system will also be in that, in that section. Also, the tax returns are transcripts that are maintained by the IRS to prove that the tax returns were actually posted 
to the account. Our transcripts are expected to be current within 90 days of the report, so an agent can't just pull up a transcript and then use the same one a year later. It has to be within 90 days before it's submitted. Sometimes the tax returns are not part of the elements of the crime, but they're also exhibited uh, either to show some type of willfulness or maybe the behavior also was going on outside of statute of limitations, or it could be subject to relevant conduct. The investigative contact with the subject, so any contacts with the defendant, including the advice and rights is in there, also, any contact, supposedly any contact, with defense counsel is also in there. And it also gives it brief information, such as the defendant's personal identifiers, citizenship, education, health, business history, knowledge of tax matters, which helps in willfulness, any criminal history, any civil IRS actions, search warrant activity, undercover activity, and other pertinent information will also be in there. The crux of the case is really in the theory of the investigation section. It is a summary of the investigation, which will include how the case was discovered, who the defendants are, what the defendant did, for how long they did this, and the total expected tax loss. In the theory section should also be a statement about the spouse's culpability. Many times the spouse may be in on it, not in on it. Well, in the theory, it should be in there. Uh, Co-conspirators should also be named in there as well. The method of accounting. It's almost always cash basis, but sometimes it can be a cruel basis. And the method of proof was the method of proof, specific item, bank deposits method, net worth method of proof, that type of thing. So how this case is going to be proven is also in the theory of the investigation. Another section is the books and records. In this section, the books and records are discussed, such as who maintained them, IRS, IRSCI got access to the records, how the records were analyzed, and the comparison of the records to the tax returns. Because most of the time, it is a tax return that is at play when it comes to a criminal tax violation. The section also includes preparation of returns, if they're related to the books and records. The agent is also expected to show any discrepancies between the books and records and the tax returns and how it affects the investigation of anything at all. Is there any material difference between the books and records and the tax returns, and how can the IRS special agent justify the discrepancy, if there is any? And then the biggest part of the report is the elements of the offense. For each count, the elements of the criminal offense is listed with evidence to support each element. So, for tax evasion, 7201, for failure to file, 7203, those various criminal tax violations are there. And for every element of defense, there has to be evidence to support those elements. Some of it may be repeated, but it all has to be there. I spent over 20 years as a special agent with IRS criminal investigation. And during conferences between a federal prosecutor and defense attorney, I was the resource that both attorneys relied on, which put the defense at a disadvantage. That is why I wrote the book, Criminal Tax Secrets, What Every Defense Attorney Should Know. This book is an insider's guide to evaluating every stage of a criminal tax investigation. From the civil audit to sentencing, you will know what questions to ask, what documents to review, and the common weaknesses in every tax investigation. Criminal Tax Secrets, What Every Defense Attorney Should Know. Get your paperback or Kindle version today, only at Amazon. Disposition of Proceeds is another section. Although it's not an element of any criminal tax violation, it does show intent and jury appeal. 
in return preparer investigations, this position is very rarely used because most of the time it's just a fee and the IRS is not really interested in the, you know, how the, the return preparer spent his money. It's kind of irrelevant because the tax return itself is false. And many times it's just getting enough witnesses on the witness stand to, to prove that the return preparer was actually preparing false returns. Any potential defenses. Now, if the defendant gave a defense, this section shows what was said and any, any rebuttal against it. The IRS does not want the special agent speculating on any defense, only if a defense was given, whether directly from the defendant himself or from the defendant's counsel. It's also a list of appendices. Tax investigations are spreadsheet intensive. The appendices support how the tax loss was calculated and what tax years apply. By exhibiting the witness and evidence, any potential Greenberg problems are solved in the appendices. The appendices are created in Excel, but because this is a PDF file, the PDF file is really nothing but a printout of the Excel. And sometimes there's some formatting issues, and hopefully it won't be that way, but sometimes it can be. One side note is that if you have a prosecution report you're, you're looking at, and there's appendices in there, my recommendation would be to request the actual Excel file itself. That will help uh, whoever's reviewing the prosecution report from the defense counsel side to make sure all the calculations are correct. That way you're not adding up all these PDF files, all these, all these numbers. And then also relevant conducts. It includes all information that will have the impact on sentencing. This could be the tax years outside the scope of the investigation. Sometimes that happens. Another section is called current lifestyle. The current lifestyle is a brief explanation of the defendant's lifestyle. If they have changed their ways, if they lost their livelihood, what's going on? For the most part, when I was an agent, current lifestyle was the defendant continuous lifestyle. Or it could be the defendant has declared bankruptcy. It's just an FYI trying to figure it out. I don't think it has that much to do with the prosecution, but particularly DOJ tax wants to know what the current lifestyle is. And the conclusions, then based upon the evidence report, how many counts and what violations are recommended. In addition to the uh, report, there's also a list of witnesses and exhibits. It is a great summary of what evidence supports the allegation and who the witness will be to introduce it at trial. The prosecution report is spreadsheet intensive, but it's all by witness. So what witness is going to introduce what evidence? And the list of witnesses and exhibits will show you what witness is going to, is going to introduce. Every exhibit in this prosecution report has to have a witness. Otherwise, things don't get, don't, don't get introduced into a, in the trial, of course. In the appendices, we talked about the list of appendices, but the appendices itself is also at the very tail end of the report. It proves the elements of the crime and other pertinent data. The appendices are the heart of the investigation. They show the dates, the amounts, the descriptions of the evidence, who the witness would be, etc. And the criminal tax computations are listed also in their own appendix. So usually appendix A on the report is a summary of the total tax loss. That's usually how it works. So what's the key takeaway? All the government's allegations of tax crimes against the defendant are exhibited in the prosecution report. It is one PDF file, but this prosecution report will get you 95% there in your review of the evidence during discovery. Thank you for listening to The Criminal Tax Files. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. The Criminal Tax Files podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not legal or financial advice. If you are facing a criminal tax investigation, please seek legal assistance or contact us for a referral. The Criminal Tax Files is a production of Nordlander CPA, PLLC, a forensic accounting firm near Greensboro, North Carolina. To learn more about our services, please visit us at nordlandercpa.com or visit the show notes in this episode.